Better listen very carefully. A good martial artist does not become tense, but ready. Essentially, at this point, the fight is over. So you pretty much flow with the goal. Who is worthy to be trusted with the secret to limitless power? I'm ready. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Bulletproof for BJJ podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome. We are here on podcast number five. Yep. And we today are getting a bit deeper on flexibility, mobility, all the things, ability to help you move better. Now, I think it's worthwhile for us to talk about the different segments or the different classifications within flexibility without getting too boring about it. Can we, um, can we define uh, mobility and flexibility? What's the difference first? Okay. Because well, they get thrown around a lot, don't they? They do. They do. We, we throw those words around a lot too. You know? We do. It's yep. true. Um, throw them around like juggling balls. Um, I think the thing is when we're talking about flexibility and mobility, um, the flexibility piece we're referring to is not static but uh, longer hold stretching-based work to lengthen the muscles. And then when we start talking about mobility, we're talking about more dynamic, um, partially loaded, you know, using your body through different ranges of motion actively or, or dynamically. So within the classification, like if you go to the internet, Wikipedia, any classification you can find, there's three key definitions, which are static, dynamic, and PNF is under there. And that's where you, using a degree of... Static contraction to trick your muscles into stretching a bit further at end range. Um, now, static flexibility, as it's defined, is the ability for you to be able to lengthen a muscle over a joint or for a joint to move through a range of motion and for certain muscles to be able to lengthen. It's kind of a naff uh, way to describe it but oftentimes uh, we, we could even say that you break flexibility down into like active and passive because people can move their bodies quite well. They might be able to move through a range of motion, but if you get them to lie still and, say, try and rotate, and they're like, oh, oh no, my stiffness, oh, I can't move there. And, and I'll, I'll, be, I'll be completely honest. Like Lots of people in jiu-jitsu, they get warm, they start rolling, their body feels good, and they can, they can move really well. Adrenaline's a wonderful thing. Oh, it's the key drug. Uh, and then you uh, get somebody to just go, okay, how, how are you to now do a forward fold? How are you to touch your toes? And people are, are dying. And I, I, I'll be honest, I, I'm one of those people who struggles with the forward fold. I, um, can I try and expand on Please? that a little bit? Because I think there's, there's, there's a lot in that. So just to unpack it a bit, because it's, it's, it's quite a tricky thing for a lot of people to get their head around. Um, Flexibility, yeah, is talking about your ability to put a, a joint in a particular range of motion relevant to your muscles and connective tissues and whatnot. But it also, it doesn't speak to, um, it doesn't speak to what you're doing while you're trying to express that range. So it doesn't yeah. speak to, are you under load? Uh, are you trying to balance at the same time? Are you moving? So, you know, in a, in a, in a gym setting or like a clinical setting, you could like stretch my elbow and you know jt could just hold it and go oh you have quite flexible elbows because you can you can open that thing up but then maybe i'm doing chin-ups and i'm trying to get to the bottom range of my chin-up where i'm hanging 
you know, a large portion of my body weight off that, off that joint and I can't get to that same range of motion. Yes. So the mobility thing is like when you're under load, when you're trying to balance, when there's more going on in, in, in that moment, can you express that same range of motion? And this is where a lot of people would say like mobility is the one, like mobility is what's important. Yeah, it's kind of, I think these days for more, most intents and purposes, it's the same shit. Yes. We're talking about can you express good range of motion through your joints and does that carry over to your performance, training jiu-jitsu, training your sport, running, rock climbing, whatever it is, right? Because I was going to say conversely to that, you get some people who they can do the splits, they can do an amazing forward fold. But then if you give them some load, like you say, do this with some load, uh, and, and they'll, they'll just shake out. Like they, they actually don't have any strength at end range. They don't, ha- as much as they might have a degree of bodily control, like relevant, as soon as you start to give them some resistance, that they have no level of control through those ranges of motion. That's right. And if you think of uh, that person that you might train with who... Um Envisage this, you've got someone who's really flexible through their hips and maybe they're kind of new to jiu-jitsu, but they have really flexible hips and you're trying to pass their guard and like you're, really, you're blown away at how far apart their legs can go without them looking uncomfortable, right? It's like, fuck, mm-hmm. I'm basically putting this person into the splits right now, which, I mean, JT's the guy, he's got the splits, right? It's a bit uh, of fun. You put the legs there, you're like, holy shit, this person is totally comfortable and they're basically in the splits. The thing is, is if that person's new and if they're not particularly strong in that range of motion, then there's a high chance that they're going to get injured. Yes. Because you're putting all your body weight behind it. You're trying to crush this person. Their legs are, their hips are in a very vulnerable position. Um, if they don't have adequate strength in that range of motion, then uh, risk is, uh, injury risk is very high. Um, and we see that. We see that with people yes. who are hyperflexible. We see that with people who just have a, have a generally, uh, low levels of strength, but high levels of flexibility. Now, someone who's mobile, on the other hand, someone like JT, you can put him into that position, but he can generate force there. He can be strong through those legs. He can pull them back together. He can hang out because he's trained that range of motion to become strong in it. So that, for me, is when I would say, wow, that guy JT is super mobile, whereas uh, my friend who's been doing yoga for 20 years she might be flexible. However, I don't consider her mobile in that position because I can see that something's about to tear there. Yes, and I think this is probably something that's not talked enough about in the... In the thank you, Joe, for calling me mobile. I'll take as a lovely compliment. Please. Um, Joe is also very mobile, but will not speak to it to stay humble. Um, but I'm happy to take that. Um, <laughs> uh, it's one of those things that um, we see it all the time where, you know, classic case of somebody who's very strong and cannot move. It's, always, it's, it's, it's very rare that you find somebody who's got a good mixture of both. But because I come from a background of doing taekwondo and uh, we did a lot of various levels of stretching, dynamic, static, uh, and also doing PNF work where you're, you're, you know, you're taking your stretch, whether it be a split or whatever it might be, to end range. And then at that end range, making a, like a, a contraction, an isometric contraction for up to 10 seconds and then relaxing to go further, you are actually training a degree of strength as well. But you've got to be careful when you're right at the end of your range of motion. I have injured myself trying to take it too far. Um, that's unlike you. Oh, imagine that, me going too far. Yeah, I'm a moderate. That's what I am. But, uh, but then also, I, I guess... When I was trying to improve my split when I was younger, I did a fair bit of isometric strengthening in that position. And I think 
that's when we can start to talk about like um, great phrase from you, Joe, is that in range closing. Can you speak to that? Uh, yeah, well, that's a term that I picked up from Emmett Lewis, who's a shout out to Emmett Lewis. He's an incredible uh, international mobility guy. He's I worked with him as one of his students for a number of years, and he's come and taught here at our gym before. Uh, but yeah, he talks a lot about this end range closing idea. So here's a simple way for you guys to visualize it. Um, I want to reach forward and touch my toes, and I want to do it with my legs straight. So we're talking about a toe touch or a forward fold. Um, now, you can imagine this. You're standing, leg, feet are together, knees are locked, and you reach down, try and touch your toes. Now, however far you can get or can't get, you can already envisage you're going to feel tension in your hamstrings and you're going to feel probably tension right in the back of your knees, right? It's calf hamstring. So what's going on here is you've got weight hanging off tissues along the back of the body and that backside of the body, right? Glutes, lower back, hamstrings, calves, that's the stuff that's getting stretched. Now in our simple, uh, in our very simple uh, visualization of or our definition of flexibility, most of us think that it's about just hanging more weight off that position and that those tissues that are getting stretched just like a, a pulley and a rope, those tissues are just getting tugged on and eventually lengthening. It doesn't actually work like that. So in range closing, I want you now to think about when you're in that position, you've got that backside which is stretching, but that means that on the opposite side of those joints, so on the front side of the body, we've got muscles shortening right lengthening on the back shortening on the front so the muscles that are shortening quads hip flexors and abs right so when i'm in that position if i focus on contracting and voluntarily shortening those muscles uh, forcefully all of a sudden i start to open up more range of motion because my body is focused on this contraction which then means it's essentially and this is a very simplistic way to look at it my body's not concentrating or not thinking about the lengthening is just thinking about the shortening and that in turn allows me to go further. Yes. And that's when we start to become truly mobile because we are going into a position using strength and force rather than just hanging out there uncomfortably hoping that it's going to get more comfortable. Yes. And I think also uh, just doing a bit of uh, reading across various different studies showing that really uh, active modes, dynamic and PNF and active modes of flexibility yield greater returns sooner uh, than just the, the static piece of just kind of trying to hang weight on muscles. And uh, without, without being too sciencey about it, the, the term relevant to that, in the same way if you think about uh, doing a bicep curl, in order for your hand to touch your own shoulder, your tricep needs to relax. In the same way, if you want your arm to straighten, you have to contract your tricep and your bicep must relax. This is called the principle of reciprocal inhibition. So two opposing muscles, one contracts, the other relaxes, and this is what causes movement around the joint. And essentially, um, in a, a very simplified form, speaking to what you were just saying there, Joe. Um, and that's the thing I think is misunderstood um, when it comes to doing uh, flexibility training, mobility training, because... You know, I have actually, um, and this is just a discovery of my own, and then later I, I went to an advanced strength conditioning course, and they talked about the famous case of uh, a runner. I think it was 200 metres. Um, I think it was an English runner, and he was doing slumps. So he was sitting there, head down, trying to stretch his hamstring, long hold, static work, jumps up, he feels warm, he feels loose, he's running and he tears his hamstring. And everyone's like, oh, heartbreak. And then his father runs down onto the, 
onto the thing to help him across the line. And he's like, don't help me. And he's like, nah, come on. It's game over. I'll help you. It's pretty tragic. I have tra- a son now. I can imagine this. It's pretty tragic. <laughs> Especially if he, if your son, Joe, were to do My son. inappropriate flexibility <laughs> training. Yeah. I taught fucked you better. Up. You fucked up. You walked yourself <laughs> across the line. <laughs> Yeah, I gave you my good hamstrings, good meaty hamstrings, and what have you done with them? Not enough. Um, no, I think uh, it's interesting because I did something similar. I was sitting in a pancake. Uh, this was before a national championship in Taekwondo, and I'd allowed myself to cool down there, which is a problem. And then my coach got me to stand up. And he's like, all right, let's do some axe kicks and blah, blah. And I was like, okay, and I've never had any issues. I do an axe kick and... Uh, there goes your semimembranosis. Mm, I spent too much time. I was just sitting in that static position. And what happens is uh, your Golgi tendon bodies, which are basically like the bodyguards of uh, how far a muscle can move, which they are, they're like, no, you only get this much range. You can set them through doing static stretching. You're like, no, this is as far as we go. Then I tried to take my hamstring through a dynamic range, which was more than what I'd set the, the kind of range at. And I got a tear. And that was not much fun. And I, I, I think what we'll notice now compared to, say, 30 years ago, people are not doing a lot of static stretching before training. They're doing dynamic training. They're doing dynamic flexibility. They're doing mobility. They're doing active work. But then post-training, that's where you're seeing more of the kind of uh, – static or longer hold stretching piece would i be right in saying that joe um yeah i i do agree to an extent i think that people have sort of come around to that and and i would say that that you know that style of kind of mobility work pre-training is now more popular than it was however something that we that i've always come back to with this um i i think one of the main things there is the idea of warming up and cooling down yes and it's like if your body's warm yep then stretching is good like stretching is fine, right? Sure. And I, you only have to look at some of the, the finest athletes in the world, Olympic weightlifters, yep. dancers, and gymnasts, yes. and you will see them doing static stretching before they go and train. Sure. You'll also see them doing dynamic stuff. You'll also mm-hmm. see them warming up with strength work. It's not like they're just hanging out doing yep. stretching in a cold environment. They're doing it all. Um, but this static stretching piece, and as well as dynamic, um, it's, it's really heavily featured. And mm. for, for those kinds of, and those, those athletes are the best movers and the, some of the strongest athletes out in, there, right? In the world, yes. Uh, depending on how you define strength, right? So, um, the, so I really think there's a place for it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it needs to be woven in. And, and I think if we go back to the way that we talk about it with uh, the Bulletproof of BJJ program, because we know that most jiu-jitsu players don't have 45 to 60 minutes to warm up like a gymnast would or like a dancer would, right? Because these guys are training four hours a day. So it's, it's a long warm-up. It's a long cool-down. Um, because your standard jiu-jitsu gym doesn't even do a fucking warm-up, right? They True. They do star jumps and fucking Run around, whatever. And, yeah, do the run with the arm thing. Um, then we have to acknowledge that most people can't put too much time towards this. Yes. So then JT and I, and this is the whole way we designed the program, is like, all right, well, what is the most bang for buck stuff that we can have people do that's going to produce the greatest result with the minimum amount of input. And that is, okay, for the warm-up, dynamic stretching. Yes. Five to ten minutes, you're moving, right? So you're you're moving your body, it's dynamic. That means you're getting warm, you're placing the muscles through load, right? Kind of doing squatty type stuff, 
pressing type stuff, but you're also going to your end range. And the beauty is there is that you're getting a whole bunch of different things tied up into one. Five, 10 minutes, cool jump on the mats, do your piece. And then after training, okay, what's the most bang for buck thing here? Well, we want to lengthen the muscles back out. We want to open the joints up. We want to reset muscular tension from, from the training session. And we want to relax the nervous system. Yes. So we're like, well, static stretching is really good there. Yeah. So that's kind of why we have this simple classification of dynamic before static after. after. Yes. Right. And it works really fucking well. It's like if you've only got five to 10 minutes, uh, this is the shit that you do. Mm. Right. Yeah, definitely. And I think also on that, uh, the flexibility that we work within Bulletproof for BJJ is like, so for example, like Joe's warm up is different to mine. So I've got a bit of a suspect ankle that I'm working on. So I've got to put a bit of time into my ankle range of motion. I have to, otherwise my ankle is not going to get better. In the same way, Joe's been working with his knee for a number, like a period of time. He's got to do a certain amount of uh, work on, you know, around his knee to make sure he feels right with his knee. And so everybody's different, guys. If you've got a bad, uh, if you've got a, sh- a shoulder, which is you spent all day at the desk and, and your shoulder's feeling like a bit impinged, you have to address that before you get on the mat because you cannot expect your instructor to cater the warm up to you. No, that's like right. You've, you've got to take initiative. In the same way with your learning, like without getting out of the lane here, it would be, it's very good and it's advisable that you would come to class with an idea in mind of what you're working on tonight, regardless of what's going on. It doesn't mean you don't do the drill or you don't participate in the class, but you have something in your mind, like I'm definitely working on this guard pass. I'm definitely working on this sweep. If you know you have a bad ankle, you, you need to bring attention to it before you step on the mat. Because this lack of awareness, I believe, is one of the chief causes of injury. And this is a classic line. This happens all the time. Oh, I was running late. Oh, I had to make it the class. I was 15 minutes late. Yeah, I didn't do warm up. I just jumped in. And then, yeah, I tore my ACL. Like, uh, all the worst things. Not prepared. Running late. Didn't prepare the body at all. Adrenaline from running late. So feeling warm. Like, oh, I can just jump. Oh, like, I've got the adrenaline of, of being late. And oh, I don't I hope the coach doesn't crucify me. But the tissues of the body are not ready and you're about to do one of the most dynamic, chaotic things you can do. And, oh, it's just drilling. I didn't think I could hurt myself drilling. Well, actually, you can. So I, I feel like if we're talking about um, injury prevention, that preparation piece is so important. And then if we're talking more towards recovery and how good you feel the next day, that small investment of 10 minutes after class has a huge impact on how you sleep, just winding down so you're not tired and wired at home, just mulling over how you couldn't escape the mount or how you got choked. And then, you know, that improved sleep, your nervous system being at a lower frequency, you're having better circulation, means when you wake up in the morning, you're not going to feel like a truck hit you. That's right. That's right. You're in a much better position. So you, you've recovered more effectively. Yes. Something that, um, that I think is really, really relevant to mention here, uh, because... For a lot of people listening, it's like, and, and, and we know, right, like um, jiu-jitsu is predominantly a male sport, right? Huge, yeah. huge yeah. amount of females in the game, but predominantly males. Large base of our audience is male. And what we see repeatedly is that a lot of these, and I'm, I'm not even going to, I don't even need to specify males because I see women in the same boat, but we see people who are strong and proficient at jiu-jitsu, but they're tight, right? And these people look at the mobility stuff we do and they're like, fuck me, like I can handle the chin-ups and the kettlebell presses and, mm. the, you know, the deadlifts and whatever, but when I get to the mobility workouts or when you're Oof. making me stretch, 
it's fucking tough. It hurts, right? Yes. And it's a really, uh, I think a really important way for people to view this uh, because this might change your whole perspective on it. Um, I always use the, the, the elbow here because it's an easy one, right? It's here right in front of me. Um, imagine uh, you can see my joint here, right? I'm able to fully extend my elbow and I'm able to fully flex it, right? So I've got full range of motion in that elbow, let's say. If I go and do bicep curls, I'm then performing the bicep curl to that joint's uh, full potential, right? However, uh, if I have really tight elbows, as a lot of jiu-jitsu people do, where I can't fully extend it, but instead I've got this kind of bent arm when I'm, when I'm fully straight, and then I can only really bring it to here because my elbows are stiff from getting armbarred all these years and not tapping early enough. Yep. Now my bicep curl looks like this. Mm. So my bicep curl is actually like a quarter of the distance traveled yes. of the, the good flexible elbow, right? Yeah, it's not fully expressed. That's right. So imagine that across your whole fucking body, your oh. hips, your spine, your knees, your ankles, your wrists, your shoulders, none of those joints can express their full potential. And so that means that when you're strength training, you're only ever accessing a very small portion of what you're actually capable of. Yes. And I think for a lot of people, it's like, holy shit, I never thought about it. But it's like, you can train that range as much as you want. And sure, you might get a little bit stronger. But really, if you can start to open that range up, all of a sudden you start to access exponential strength gains. Definitely. And this is the shit that's hard to change. Like we understand how tough it is for adults to change their flexibility, right? Yes. But it's the greatest thing that you can invest your time in. I agree. Coupled with strength training, there is nothing that's more potent, in my opinion, for developing uh, uh, supreme physicality and athleticism. Definitely. And and that's the thing I, I feel that most people are not acknowledging that they're... Uh, their structural inhibition, their, their inability to move their body is a handbrake. It's like literally, I, I don't know, you may have never done this, but I've definitely done this. Try to drive with the handbrake on. <laughs> Still I'm like, it. why Why is that red exclamation mark shine? Like, <laughs> I just had the car service. Why is it driving? So- ah, handbrake, click. <laughs> you know, it can happen, right? That's a lack of awareness. You have this throughout your whole entire body until... You get that red exclamation mark, which is pain. Ah, now my shoulder hurts. I didn't do anything. Yeah, because it's chronic, right? Like, we can have those acute phases. Yeah, someone yanks on your arm and pops your elbow. Yeah, we're, oh, yeah, oh, I'm injured. But it's very rarely do we acknowledge our actions are leading us down the path to injury. And that's a chronic thing. That's a behavioral thing because we're not doing the work to, to I guess, keep us healthy to do the right maintenance and look after our bodies. And the thing I find super annoying um, is when things don't work the way they're meant to, uh, whatever that might be. And the way I look at range of motion, very Joe articulated it very well, but is a zipper. So when you've got a zipper that only unzips part of the way down, like you can't get into the thing you're using, you also, it doesn't zip up properly. There's nothing worse than a zipper that breaks. Like a cheap competition hoodie? Yeah, cheap competition at the worst. Yep. Uh, or even, uh, you know, a, a backpack or for you cool kids out there, you've got the crossbody piece. Mm. You've got, the, you got the, the bum bag that you're now wearing, uh, lad style. Trying to get to your flip phone, but you're yeah, like, God damn it, I can't, do can't it. get to my flip phone. Yeah, I can't access any of my other uh, items. Um, and that's the thing. If you can fully, uh, there's nothing better than a good strong zipper. Open it. Shut it, it does its job. Your muscle fibers are very much the same. If you can only open the zipper halfway, you're only accessing half of the potential of that thing. And that, that's actually not useful when you've got somebody who's going to force your body 
Like that's right. Force that zip wide open. Yeah. And now suddenly you have an a chronic issue that's now turned into boom an acute issue, and now you've got to go see the physio. Now you've got to go see the surgeon. Now you're in uh, pain town. Spot on, mate. Um, what's the what's the big takeaway from today's chat? I I believe that uh, flexibility and mobility is the most neglected thing that we see in grapplers, and I also. And I think we share this small gripe with the SNC community, which is stop stretching. Stretching isn't good for you. Well, that, my friends, is bullshit. Um, if you hear anybody saying, oh, don't stretch, it's not good for you, ask that person, how's your range of motion? How's your toe touch? Because a lot of these people who are decrying and, and saying that flexibility is, is not good for you generally do not, that's not what they're good at. That's why they don't want to promote it. And I would definitely say, even I've had injuries through my life, um, having had a background in daily flexibility training, static, dynamic, doing uh, PNF training, uh, it has helped save me. Uh, and that's why I'm still doing jiu-jitsu now. And that's why I feel as good as I do feel now. And uh, I would wish the same for anyone else doing jiu-jitsu. So if there's something that could increase your longevity, it would be to have a good prep routine before you train, and to have a, a solid post-training routine. And, and, and it doesn't take long. You know, it's, it's honestly 10 minutes before class, 10 minutes after class. You do that, and if you even take the step further to do a little bit of extra on days off, you're going to feel great. Like, why would you not want that for yourself? Because that's what we wish for you. Damn right. Well said, brother. All right, man. I think we will call that and make it a wrap. And uh, definitely looking forward to more deeper discussion on jiu-jitsu topics. Now, guys, if you want to reach us because you have any questions or any suggestions for our podcast, you can reach us at info at bulletproofforbjj.com or just message us on uh, our Instagram at bulletproofforbjj. Yeah, and if you got uh, if you got questions, if you want to talk about training, if you, you don't want to know any of that stuff, hit us up. We get people from all over the world um, coming to us for advice. More than happy to answer. Um, if you've got suggestions for what you'd like us to talk about on the podcast, fire those through. We'd love to hear it. And make sure you jump onto our community page, which is free. You've got a Q&A with JT every week. You get little tidbits from us throughout the week. It's the Bulletproof for BJJ community. It's on Facebook. Um, yeah, get involved. We'll see you guys there. Awesome. Cheers, fam. Cheers.